welcome to Arbitral Insights, a podcast series brought to you by our international arbitration practice lawyers here at Reed Smith. I'm Jose Estigarraga, Global Head of Reed Smith's International Arbitration Practice. I hope you enjoy the industry commentary, insights, and anecdotes we share with you in the course of this series, wherever in the world you are. If you have any questions about any of the topics discussed, please do contact our speakers. Welcome to our Women in Arbitration podcast mini-series, a platform for women's voices across the global international arbitration community. I'm Lucy Winnington-Ingram, an international arbitration lawyer based in Reed Smith's London office. In these episodes, we will hear from leading women in the international arbitration space and discuss industry news, trends, developments, and matters of interest. And with that, let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Arbitral Insights and the latest episode in Reed Smith's Women in Arbitration podcast miniseries. I'm Victoria Spilkin, an international arbitration lawyer in Reed Smith's London office. Today, to coincide with World Earth Day 2021, our subject will be the campaign for greener arbitrations. Reed Smith is proud to be an institutional supporter of the campaign and a signatory to the campaign's Green Pledge. To tell us more about it, I'm fortunate to be joined by Magdalene de Brugier, who is a member of the campaign's steering committee and part of the working group, which has drafted the recently launched six green protocols. Magdalene is a senior arbitration lawyer at Herbert Smith Freehills, who has worked in London, Tokyo and Paris. She has both a personal and a professional interest in issues of sustainability. Magdalene, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Victoria. And can I first also thank the Reed Smith team for giving us the platform to discuss the work the campaign is doing and shining a light on uh, such an important topic? Not at all. It's a pleasure. Can I start by asking you how and why the Campaign for Greener Arbitrations was founded? Of course. So I'm here today standing in for Lucy Greenwood, who is the founder of the campaign. So the origin story there is very much hers. In 2019, she launched what she termed her Green Pledge to minimize the impact of her arbitration practice on the environment. And the Green Pledge caught the attention of the wider arbitration community. Uh, Very soon, hundreds of individuals had signed up to the pledge. Lucy realized fairly quickly after that, that while the Green Pledge worked for those who practice as arbitrators, the arbitration community itself was keen to get behind a broader campaign to address the waste and unnecessarily travel that often occurs in international arbitrations. And so as a result, she brought together representatives uh, from key stakeholders in international arbitrations to spearhead the newly formed campaign for greener arbitrations. The campaign was officially launched in the first quarter of 2020. It has a steering committee of over 40 individuals representing a real cross-section of all of the key players in arbitrations. So from client end users to institution and law firm representatives to arbitrators and e-providers. And it's, it's very diverse geographically as well. So just to make sure that we are properly representing the sort of different cultural approaches to this issue as well. Brilliant, thank you. Could you tell our listeners, what are the main aims of the campaign? Actually, I I would say that it's just one main aim, and it's incredibly simple, which is to reduce the environmental impact of international arbitrations. I think many of those who are listening should hopefully be familiar with the case study which 
formed the basis actually for the campaign's work. So Lucy and Michelle Bradfield, who was a partner at Decker and she's now at Jones Day, conducted back in 2019 an initial case study into the carbon footprint of a medium-sized arbitration. And what that case study showed was that just under 20,000 trees would need to be planted to offset the emissions associated with a medium-sized arbitration. That 20,000 trees represents roughly four times the number of trees in Hyde Park. So we're looking at quite a significant figure. And it's worth noting that it doesn't take into account energy usage because that wasn't covered in the initial case study. So in fact, the carbon footprint of arbitrations is likely to be even higher. At HSF, we, we conducted a parallel study looking specifically at council's emissions in a medium-sized arbitration. And by medium-sized, I meant involved clients, arbitrators, and councils from three jurisdictions, a five-day hearing, and a total of eight witnesses and two experts. And what our case study identified was that emissions from just council amounted to nearly 40 tonnes of carbon dioxide equivalent. And again, to provide a bit of an illustration of what that, what that means in practice, you would have to insulate 63 households in the UK to offset those emissions in one year. Um, and again, that's just for the emissions associated with one party's council in a medium-sized arbitration. And if you consider that over 7,000 arbitrations were registered in the top 13 arbitral institutions in, in 2019, according to GAR, I think you can start to see the scale of the work that we have in front of us to reduce the footprint of our practice across the globe. Absolutely. And, and, and some of the statistics that you've mentioned there are, are staggering and, and, and very thought provoking. You mentioned Lucy Greenwood's Green Pledge earlier on. I wonder if you'd mind telling us a little bit more about the campaign's Green Pledge. Absolutely. So the Green Pledge, which was really the start of this whole adventure, is a series of commitments which individual practitioners can take to reduce the environmental impact of their practice. The pledge itself over time has evolved to become the guiding principles and the commitments reflect effectively the three target areas which we have been able to identify through our case studies as being the key culprits of carbon emissions. So it looks at reducing unnecessary travel, reducing unnecessary material waste, so in particular printing. So we, we would favor, for example, the use of e-bundles and electronic correspondence. And it also looks at ensuring that clean energy is a primary source of energy that's used for those who are involved in proceedings. But beyond the Green Pledge, I think the other aspect which I'd want to highlight that the campaign's been really focused on in the last year is the Green Protocols, which will be launching. Actually, they should be launching at the same time as uh, the day of this podcast, so on Earth Day. And the protocols, which I'm happy to discuss in a bit more detail in a bit, actually cover the various actions which different institutional players, such as law firms, institutions, arbitrators, conference providers, venues, can take to reduce those environmental impacts. So they are, in fact, the embodiment of the pledge adapted to specific players. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, please go ahead. It'd be, be very interesting to, to hear a little more about the, the six green protocols. So 
as I mentioned at the start, when Lucy launched the Green Pledge, she realized that there was appetite and scope to expand the initiative on a larger scale rather than target just individuals. And there was a lot more that we could do to uh, target institutions, law firms, hearing venues, arbitrators, etc. So one of the first steps which the steering committee did was to set up a drafting committee to look at, which was designed to look at whether or not we could put together a list of sort of best practices. Now, these lists of best practices eventually morphed into the green protocols. And these protocols are intended to provide very practical ways to implement the campaign's guiding principles, as I just mentioned. And they focus, again, on the key culprits of carbon emissions as we've identified them. So the source of energy that's used, the reduction in the use of long-haul travel, and the reduction of waste. So in particular, reliance on hard copy filings and communications. So as a working group, we produced six protocols one procedural order, and one framework document, which is designed to provide parties with guidance regarding the adoption of the protocols. And the six protocols include a protocol for arbitral proceedings, which provides parties and arbitrators with tangible measures to implement in specific proceedings by party agreement or tribunal order. And that protocol comes with its own model procedural order, which can be easily uh, adopted by tribunals to implement the sustainability measures in the context of their arbitration. There's a second protocol for law firms, chambers, and legal service providers, one for arbitrators, one for arbitral institutions. And then separately, we also have one for arbitration conferences and arbitration hearing venues. It's really interesting to hear how all-encompassing the work of the campaign is. And as I mentioned at the start, I I know that you are someone with with both a personal and a professional interest in issues of sustainability. I wonder, do you have any top tips for someone starting out on their green journey in their professional life? I think that's an excellent question. Um, I I myself am still adapting my practices on a day-to-day basis, so I don't think one is ever really done in that journey. But My biggest tip is probably to say not to be put off by some of the numbers and figures that I've just flagged and to remember that every small step taken or change in behavior matters in this respect. So for me, I think my journey started with an article that I read on the BBC on Earth Overshoot Day. And for those who aren't familiar with Earth Overshoot Day, it it marks the date where humanity has effectively exhausted uh, nature's budget for the year. So what that means in practice is we have consumed more than the Earth is capable of producing in a year. Now, in 2020, that was August the 22nd. um, And actually, that date was later than expected because of the beneficial impact of COVID and the associated lockdowns, which is one of the very few silver linings of the pandemic. And I remember this was a few years ago, having an intense moment of personal reflection when I took an online quiz that set that established what my personal ecological footprint was, um, looking at sort of my travel, consumption, working patterns, etc. And what that quiz translated is it, it told me what Earth Overshoot Day would be if everyone in the world consumed in the same manner that I did. And in short, the answer was not pretty. And I don't think it would be pretty for anybody who is in the Western world. Looking back at the quiz, you realize that it's really all the small incremental changes that you make to your own working patterns can make a huge difference. So 
for example, it could just be cutting one business trip on a case that you're working on. So by way of an exa- of example, one round trip business class flight from London to Tokyo amounts to over six tons of carbon dioxide equivalent emissions. And that translates, and these are always slightly rough translations, so you have to take them with a pinch of salt. But you know, you would need to plant around 260 trees just to offset that one flight. So I, I think these are just small measures which can be which can be used and implemented very effectively and together can have a very significant impact. So just to remember it's one one step at a time. And that's very much the approach that the the protocols advocate. So they they are designed to be adapted to the specific needs of a case. Absolutely. And and I think the message is, is that if we all take even a small step in our professional lives, the overall impact can be can be huge. You you mentioned COVID in your in your last answer, and, and COVID has obviously had a devastating impact around the world. But in your view, has the pandemic helped to further the work of the campaign? Oh, absolutely. Looking back again to when the campaign was launched in early 2020, at the time, a lot of what we were advocating for, I think, would have been fairly groundbreaking. So, for example, advocating for a more general move towards virtual hearings as a, as a default. Whereas now, obviously, a lot of these measures are are entirely commonplace as a result of the pandemic. And now our goal has shifted a little bit. And it's now to make sure that some of the very hard-earned behavioral changes, which have occurred out of necessity in the course of the last year, just become more standard practice in our industry. And I should add here that, you know, beyond, of course, the environmental benefits of moving to increased digitalization and less reliance on paper or in in in-person meetings or hearings, I think that these changes that we're advocating for are also necessary to ensure that arbitration as a form of dispute resolution remains relevant in the 21st century. So, yes, I, I do think in short that obviously COVID-19 has had a, a devastating impact across the world. But in some ways, it has allowed us to implement more positive changes in other areas. Thank you. And, and we've already heard from you, helpfully, um, some of the fantastic work that the, the campaign is doing. I'd like to, to draw this to a close on a, on a positive note. Could you tell our listeners what successes the campaign has seen so far? I think personally, and I, and I would say this, having been part of the working group, one, one of the greatest successes of the campaign will be the launch of the protocols. I think after a very long and intensive drafting phase, we launched our public consultation phase in January this year. Throughout February and March, we hosted global sessions and regional workshops seeking detailed feedback on each of the protocols. And we were really delighted to get such a kind of a positive reception and engagement on this issue. And so we're very much looking forward to finalizing those and publishing the final versions and, and socializing the protocols from April onwards and seeing them being adopted by the community more widely. And the campaign's got some great initiatives in place um, for 2021, you know, more case studies, increased education pieces and training becoming available to help implement some of these sustainability measures we're advocating for. That's brilliant to hear and, and well done to you and the, the rest of the campaign steering committee for the fantastic work done so far. 
And just finally, how can our listeners and how can individuals and companies show their support for the campaign and how can they find out more? There are actually lots of ways that you can do that. Probably as a first step, I would recommend going to our website, greenerarbitrations.com and familiarizing uh, yourself with the work of the campaign. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for updates on the work that we're doing. And of course, for those who, who feel emboldened following this podcast, please do consider signing up the Green Pledge or for companies signing up as a supporter. And you mentioned this at the start, but it's obviously it's great to see that Reed Smith is already a supporter for the campaign. And then the two other steps that I would recommend are to consider adopting the Green Protocols as they're relevant to your practice. And of course, becoming an advocate for change within your own organization and industry. Thank you. And then I can confirm that I've signed the Green Pledge and it, it is literally a 30 second job. So so really easy for us for us all to do. Thank you very much, Magdalene. I found that really interesting. Some some brilliant insights into this topic and, and what is an important initiative. And thank you also to our listeners for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of Women in Arbitration. Arbitral Insights is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's global international arbitration practice, email Garaga at jia at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, readsmith.com, and our social media accounts at Readsmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. All rights reserved. 